So we blinked and all of a sudden it's November and 2019 is coming to a close. For me, from a uh, professional schedule, right? So here around work, this tends to be like the middle of the performance evaluation period uh, for students. It's also the end that we're coming to a close of a semester. So um, it's always a good time, I think, to revisit where we are at with our goals. And part of that, though, is first understanding what your motivations are. So that's what we're going to talk about today is going to be a very in-depth discussion about what motivates me and uh, plot twist. It changes. So I have a tendency of in my introductions kind of giving the punchline and that's okay, right? Uh, I was, should have said spoiler alert, spoiler alert, not necessarily a plot twist. But uh, overall, if you hear anything today, just know that your motivations will change as you're developing yourself as a student or as a professional, and that's okay. I listened to a podcast called uh, Dealing with Life, Life Stuff uh, from a friend, uh, Fernando, uh, and he continuously talks uh, in with his co-host about pivoting, right? Understanding what your goals are and pivoting and, and changing uh, sometimes when things change. And I think that's true not only for goals, but also other aspects of our life. So uh, in general, I would say that mine is a story of where motivations have pivoted. And the way I kind of want to do this, because another thing that I think is very powerful is hearing other people's stories, right? And understanding where they came from and what they've done and I've tried to splash this uh, in, here and there throughout some of the last several episodes, but I think in this episode, we'll kind of I wanted to really kind of kind of do a twofold. One, explain the evolution of my motivations, uh, but through examples or, or a little bit of an insight as to as to what I did and what I've done uh, as part of my uh, as part of my growth. And so I guess I'll start off. You know, when when I think about hey, when was a time that I was highly motivated for, for something, uh, it goes back to my teen years. So there was an element, uh, there was a time in my life when uh, I had to uh, work, or I started working very early with my dad. So my dad used to drive a cab for a very long time and he ended up getting sick. And, and I forget all the details as to why, and this is probably a conversation I need to have with him, but somewhere along the lines, he left driving a cab and we started getting into the flea market reselling business. And so what we would do or is that he and I and my mom and well, we would go to flea markets uh, and resell items. So on the Thursday and a Friday, they would hit up garage sales. We also got, you know, would go to some dollar stores and buy certain things. And, and then the whole goal was to go on Saturday and Sunday to, to a flea market and resell it to make a little bit of money and to start uh you know, paying bills and living off of that and eating and stuff like that. And so very early on, uh, I, for me, it was fun. It was fun talking to people. It was fun trying to sell. And I think my dad caught on to this. And eventually, you know, it turned into we would go to garage sales and he would ask, you know, what do you think you could sell? And I've shared in other episodes where, look, I, even to this day, I know about there is something to be said about people's purchasing habits around uh, certain used items, and 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 I learned all of those. But during the time, so again, we were making money. I was helping my dad 
make money to, to support the family, but that wasn't my motivation. I think, uh, I mean, being a kid and, and being, uh, you know, 12, 13 years old, one, it was about hanging out with my dad. So that was motivating enough. But the other part was uh, uh, at this flea market, they used to sell this, uh, they had a concession stand. And they had uh, one of the menu items was this, uh, they called it the super nachos. And this plate was a big old plate of nachos and it had all kinds of, you know, meat and lettuce and tomato and so on. And so we used to, my dad would say, you know, if you sell a certain amount by a certain day, you know, by a certain time in the day, or if we're able to, you know, the, the, the goal always changed, but the motivation was the same. And the motivation was to get, uh, you know, get those, uh, the super nachos. So, why am I even talking about this? It's just it, in my head, it really is one of the first uh, memories of when I really started to feel kind of motivated uh, to to towards accomplishing a goal. So later, you know, and I, like I said, I started working with him and, and through working with my dad very early on and having to manage that in school. Um, what I found out or what I learned was probably more selfish at the time. I learned that if you work, you would have cash in your pocket. And as I got older and as I got, uh, you know, my driver's license and, and I'm leaving one part out, so let me back up. So while we were working at this flea market, we met a guy who introduced us to uh, the world of throwing newspapers. And I'm not talking about, you know, what you see. It's not Dennis the Menace and, you know, a paper route out of a bike. I'm talking thousands of papers that you 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 roll and package and you fill up trucks and cars and go out and throw entire neighborhoods and and you know you would get a few cents for every newspaper that you threw and and you would get certain amount of money for uh, as you collected some past debt or got new subscribers so it was all in its own its, its own work and we got into that so anywho so while i'm going to school i'm also learning how to manage that schedule and going to school and, and i did and, and and the lesson i learned and I wish I could say that it was gratifying to sit there and, and help uh, help out the family and that that was my motivation. But I'm being completely honest here and saying, hey, I learned that if you worked, you would have money in your pocket and that would uh, allow you to do certain things. And you got to figure, you know, what I was seeing at a very young age and being exposed to the transaction of money, uh, it's helped me today, but it... Uh, but uh, early on, my motivations were around, uh, around money. So fast forward a little bit. Once I got my own license and once I got, you know, into a car, well, then I wanted my own paper route. And I, you know, started and, and I started getting other jobs and started to, to work while I was at school. So I did learn how to balance school and balance work. But now my motivation was around getting as much money as I could so I would have multiple part-time jobs and go to school. And the end goal was to have uh, was to have money. And I wish I could even tell you uh, what I spent some of that money on. And quite frankly, I, I can't uh, I can't remember. I know I had it. I know I would, uh, you know, buy lunch and, and, you know, go to movies a lot and hang out with my friends. But I can't tell you that I did anything necessarily productive with uh, with that uh, with that money. And so then if you fast forward and you say, okay, then I started going into, uh, once I graduated and I wasn't motivated for school, I had plenty of cash in my pocket and I had work and I had jobs. Now it was around finding out what uh, work I could do that got me the most amount of money. And I did end up uh, at this time, you know, I, I had a, I had a, 
a, a, a an interest in this girl. I had a girlfriend that I followed out to California. So now that I was in California and I was away from home, um, and since I still had this motivation for work, I started to look into all kinds of jobs. And I tell folks that my time in California was... Uh, was a, was a time of exploration. I had more part-time jobs than uh, I, I, I really can even remember. Um, but I will say during my time in California is when I started to figure out what my second motivation was. And so in any of these jobs that I had, I started to uh, realize what, uh, what I liked in, in a job. And I'll tell you, look, and, and, and one story that I'll go to, and I've told this one uh, to, to, to some people before. Um, so when it was just about the money, I had seen a posting that talked about, you know, doing general labor at a golf course. And I answered the ad and the pay was like $15 an hour at the time. I mean, that was ridiculously high. And so I was highly motivated by that. And I went and I ended up doing that, you know, I, I quickly realized that there was different uh, jobs and different pecking order, even that as, as landscapers in, in, a, in a golf course. And to give you an example, there's those that ride the machines and there's those that have to push machines. So what I'm getting at is there were some, at some areas in the golf course uh, where you can't get one of these riding lawnmowers on and you need somebody to take a smaller lawnmower and push it and move it along. This was also my first exposure to, to, to a job where nobody told me that, I, that you were supposed to bring your own water if you didn't want to uh, sit there and, and, and find yourself heat stressed and, and on the verge of passing out because of dehydration. And I have one of my uh, lowest points in life was when uh, I was panicking and I hadn't, I hadn't brought my water with me and I was, and I was feeling really bad and, and really um, thirsty and I was sitting there cutting grass by a running creek and I got on my knees and took handfuls of water out of that creek and, and drank it. And uh, I think that there is when I found out, hey, one of the first times I remember like, hey, it's not all about the money. There's got to be more. Needless to say, landscaping was not for me. Uh, I highly respect those that do it, but uh, found out that it wasn't just about the money. But I did, as I started to get other jobs and I started to uh, I really got wrapped up in this. Uh, uh, I started finding that there was a bunch of ads for um, door-to-door sales. And, and I had done some telemarketing when I was in San Antonio while in high school. And I really liked the sales aspect because it got me talking to a bunch of different people. Uh, commissions tended to be high. But what I really always looked up to or the people that I looked up to were those trainers. So even my time at West Telemarketing, there was a training that you did that lasted about a week and there was these, you know, sharp looking uh, men and women that would actually do the training for telemarketers and talk about, you know, wh- how to be sell, you know, how to sell and to always be closing. And you, you started talking through products and about and you started thinking through what some of these rebuttals might be when someone said no. So I really and these were the teachers and the trainers of these jobs. And so fast forward, right, like I'm over in California, I'm seeing these ads, I'm seeing that they're, some of them are pyramid scams, some of them were decent, uh, but uh, I still continued to see that when someone was training somebody or whoever the trainers were for these jobs, that's what I really enjoyed doing.
even at my time when I was at Papa John's or at Domino's working uh, fast food, uh, I liked the aspects of management uh, more. So it wasn't the day-to-day running of the business. I certainly didn't like dealing with customer complaints, uh, although I, I was I was good at it. I didn't enjoy it. I enjoyed when I got somebody new and was able to train them. So again, now I have this motivation for jobs. It was, yes, the money was still important. It, it had to because by this point, uh, well, not in California, but when I came back to, to San Antonio, to Texas, and I started to get family, it wasn't just about the money. There was also a fulfilling element to what I was trying to accomplish. And so in the back of my head, it was like, hey, can I find this job where I can train people, where I kind of am able to elevate and separate myself than just going in and doing doing some, you know, whatever the work might be. I think when I finally got into the restaurant business and I started to to, to be able to leverage both worlds, my ability to talk to people and my ability to train people, uh, I was I loved food service because I could make money really quickly. I got really good at waiting tables, but I also, as a head waiter, was able to train new people and onboard them uh, into the job. So even at this point, right, uh, and maybe I should say I got into the restaurant business before I had family, but uh, it was definitely something that I was really good at. That's actually where I met my wife, Alyssa, at a restaurant. And so now we fast forward a little bit, uh, you know, I, I, my motivations, you know, I got married, I started having kids. So this is really when my motivations took another, what I would say, another turn where now it wasn't just about me. And I knew that if I had to do something, uh, I'm sorry, that if I was to do right by the, my kids, and I always say, look, if I was, I had, there was a big chance that I could screw them up or that I wouldn't be able to, to answer, did I really do the best that I could to try and give them the best that they deserve? I couldn't answer that with a straight face. That was motivation to get me back, uh, back into school. And so I start piecing together, look, it was there. yes, there's the money aspect. Of course, when I had family, that resurfaced again, where I really was looking for, hey, where can I get the biggest payout? Uh, but I still really enjoyed the teaching aspect. So I went back to school to be a teacher. I remember there was conversations that Alyssa and I would have around how much money we each had to make in order to make it work. And, I, and at the time, look, so to just, I think at this point, once family got in, it isn't fair for me to just say it was solely my motivation, but more the need of raising a family that kind of drove me towards that, you know, back to the financial aspect of it. And secondary still this, hey, I want this job where I can kind of work with people and teach and so on. Uh, but then when I was in school and I started learning about the different majors that were out there and I came across engineering, I'm not going to lie. And I've, and I've shared this. My decision to go into engineering uh, had to do with a couple of things. One, uh, I had a, about a year under my belt as an education major. And I started to realize that, hey, if you study, you do, you, you do good grades. At the same time, I'm very motivated by my family in the background to succeed, to be able to provide for them differently. And then uh, I, was, I, was, I learned that I could be a good student. And so I convinced myself that I could be a good student and then cue in this uh, knowing about this major called engineering. And then I remember being out at one of these uh, these. Uh, 
department fairs there at San Antonio College where I saw the table for the College of Engineering. And I remember clear as day that the one of the posters that they had up, it was a small, I say a poster, it was a, uh, a little table you know, sign that had the starting salaries for engineers. And I saw on there that, hey, a mechanical engineer and others, right, they were talking salaries of 70, 60, $70,000 a year. Mind you, I was looking at teaching where I was saying coming out of school, I could make 35000 And so, hey, here again, right, I have the family in the background. Yes, they're my number one motivation for what I'm trying to accomplish. Uh, I, I was kind of still thinking about fulfillment in the job that I had as a motivation for getting me through stuff. But then the money thing popped up again. Hey, I'm convinced that I could be a good student. Hey, I want to do engineering. So I did. I swapped over uh, majors and and, and uh, found myself, uh, obviously it was one of the best decisions I could have ever made. So I kind of want to fast forward again. I kind of want to jump into a little bit more of where I'm at today. Fast forward, I've been a professional engineer. Um, I've been working in corporate America for eight and a half years now. My motivations now are completely, completely different. I have been fortunate enough to have, have, have gotten to a you know where my financial earnings are i get paid very well for what i do i don't know how else to say it and so thankfully that is is way less significant and does not show his face uh, very often i'm able to 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 afford myself and my family things that i never had um, i have plans for you know my parents and and been able to, to, to do certain things because of, of, of the finances that come with the career path that I picked. So now that that's not there, and look, and, and, and the teaching of folks and being able to mentor people, that never left. But now I get to do it in such a grand scale uh, with minority recruiting. I've been a supervisor within the company. And so that motivation is still there and it continues to get fed. Uh, by the by, the roles that uh, that I have. My family is still there. So before it was, hey, can I put a roof over their head? Now it's about college and and raising them and working through them discovering how to be, you know, kids and and teenagers. And I even have a daughter that in a few years, in a couple of years, less than it, you know, she's a junior in high school. And fast forward a couple of years, and she'll be in college. So now I have that to kind of kind of work through. And there's some evolution and motivation. If I had to say, okay, truly, truly, what is my motivation today for what I'm trying to do? Uh, I could split it into a couple of things. My family, I'm trying to get my kids to be successful in whatever that they desire to be and to not do it uh, feeling that they are entitled and that they have an appreciation for different uh, living conditions. What am I trying to say is that, hey, they're not going to have to learn life the way I did, but there's so many lessons that I learned by having to go to the flea market that I'm continuously trying to find ways to teach my kids those lessons because they're, they're being raised completely different than what I was. And I think that's okay. If I look, uh, another part of my, my life is also, hey, you know, continuing to be a good husband and understanding what that means and how different life stages change what, what it means to be a good, uh, a good husband. From a professional aspect, 
I, I have really taken to to trying to position myself in in a way that I can help influence what uh, corporate America looks like for minorities. What am I trying to get at? I think I am highly motivated to get into different positions so that I can have a seat at the table when we're having to talk through um, how to leverage the diversity of people and experiences that come with diversity. And I think there's one thing is to say, hey, we need it. And to I see people that bring it up in employee forums and question leadership and say, what are you doing to make this better? I think that's those are fair questions. I think along with that, if we want to change our conditions or if we want to change the conditions and the circumstances for for other folks, you know, that are coming up behind us, I think we that are here today or myself that I'm, that, I'm, that I'm working through this kind of have a responsibility to get to the table to start influencing that sort of change. So professionally, there's that. And with students, if I look at this podcast that I'm doing and if I'm looking at the, you know, the social media stuff and why am I trying to write articles on LinkedIn, it's again with that. I think there's a ton of students that have all the right stuff, just need some help to figure out how to navigate corporate America the way it is today. I firmly believe, and I guess I, I would love to see a perfect future where we don't need to do this, uh, you know, where we don't need to bridge the gap, right, in, in, in trying to get people to be able to play in quote-unquote corporate America. But fact remains that there is some adjustments that some minority groups have to make or that have to, some learnings that have to happen in order to equal the playing field. And so I want to help uh, help in that space. And yes, I can do some of that within my job, but externally, uh, there's also opportunities and things that motivate me in order to affect uh, that space. So where am I getting on with this? And I, and I guess I also should have probably taught, and I know I talked about the performance review part, and maybe that's a conversation for a different state, but every year, especially at the midpoint, which is currently, it really was October, so I'm about a month plus over on the midpoint of our performance review, I'm constantly looking to see if I'm continuing to develop myself and if I'm continuing to grow, is there something that I am actively working on that will set me up for, for the future? And I cannot, and I make it a goal and, and I try to stay motivated such that, well, you know, the coming year does not look exactly the same as this year. And that I do develop and that I do grow and that I do come out a better, stronger, you know, uh, professional uh, when it's all said and done. So you're a student. You're about to finish up a semester. I know I gave you a whole bunch there. I hope what you're, what you're gathering is that the motivations that people have to accomplish stuff uh, change. But what you do, and the only way you're going to be able to see the change is to do some introspective thinking periodically to visit and revisit and say, hey, do I, can I vocalize what motivates me? Can I vocalize what my passions are and turn them into some sort of action? Because in the absence of that, you're just going along with the flow. You, you lose you know, control of what you have going on. And, and and sometimes that happens by accident. 
Meaning, you know, fast forward, three years pass, you graduate, four years pass, five years pass, you graduate, and you're left thinking, why did I do this again? Or what do I want to accomplish? Or what's the next step? Periodic, introspective thinking of what motivates you and pivoting when necessary. Thank you, Fernando. And making adjustments or pulling in people to help you uh, work through that is going to be essential to your success. So again, I want to thank you for taking the time to have listened to this episode. Um, again, I do this to try and, and share and, and help those that are coming up behind me uh, really take advantage and, and not make the same mistakes or to, to be better off than I was when I was coming through, through school or when I was a young professional. I would appreciate any feedback that you have. Please comment. Uh, wherever you saw this posting, or if you are listening on the Apple podcast app, leave a review, leave some ratings, because that really do that really does help kind of get the get the uh, podcast out. For all you faithful listeners, thank you very much. Continue to subscribe, continue to follow me, continue to share, and I greatly appreciate it. Have a good day.